Welcome to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is February 22nd, 2024, Thursday. We are going to start coming to you regularly as the Mariners start spring training. Pitchers and catchers have reported. Today is the first day of box scores for those uh, Major League fans out there. Uh, Padres are playing the Dodgers. It is a celebration amongst baseball fans and friends alike. Uh, I am pumped for fantasy baseball. I am certainly pumped for the Mariners. I thought today I would talk a little bit about, um, just do a little overview of the AL West, some of the changes and some of my thoughts around the other four teams, and then start to dig into the Mariners uh, and talk a bit about you know, kind of overall what these changes on the Mariners for 24 look like. Uh, I've dug into, you know, the specifics. We talked about some of the potential acquisitions at the end of last season. And I think it's important now to take a step back and not focus so much on each individual name and what that, what that player would mean and look a little bit more at the team holistically and understand whether this, Mariners team has taken a step forward or taken a step back uh, this offseason. I will do the same for each of the other AL West teams today. Uh, I won't spend too much time, but I do think it's important to understand which teams in the division have an arrow pointing upwards and which teams have an arrow pointing down. So let me get into it. Uh, I'm going to start with the uh, vaunted Houston Astros the Astros are um, projected by Fangraphs to win 91 games and win the AL West. That would be 91 and 71. Uh, the Astros are the same team that they've always been, really. Um, you know, they've got a lot of talent right in their prime. A lot of players kind of between that 25 and, and 29 years old. Uh, most baseball players peak right around 26 or 27 years old. Um, obviously, this is intentional on their part to have a bunch of players peaking at the same time outside of Jose Altuve, who will be right around 34, and Jose Abreu, who's 37. The additions, the major additions to uh, the Astros this season, uh, this upcoming season, are Josh Hader, left-handed closer, started off with the Orioles, Brewers, Padres. Um, Hader is arguably the best closer in baseball and the Astros went out and gave Josh Hader a ton of money uh, to become their closer five years, $95 million, $19 million and average or annual value. He signed through 28. Uh, Hader's a beast. We Mariners get to the ninth inning against the Astros down one or two runs. It is tough sledding against um, Josh Hader. He struck out, uh, 36.8% of the batters faced last season in 22. He struck out 37% of the batters faced in 21. He struck out 45.5% of the batters faced. He's gnarly. Um, left-handed closer. You don't see that often. Mariners certainly have a lot of right-handed power. So it's not as if the Mariners can't 
do damage against Hader in the ninth, but this is a clear upgrade over Ryan Presley, even though Ryan Presley is a very good reliever as well. Uh, they also added Dylan Coleman, right-handed setup guy. I don't think he's a huge addition, just another name. Uh, Victor Caratini is the new backup catcher for the Astros. Uh, switch hitter, moved around a lot, a veteran. He's certainly there to replace Martin Maldonado. I do think the subtraction of Martin Maldonado was a big deal. He was their leader on the field. Uh, he was their general uh, catcher. Couldn't hit, you know, to save his life, but he was very good with pitchers. Um, not good uh, defensively, according to metrics, but an important player for them. He is replaced in the starting lineup by Yanner Diaz, who DH'd quite a bit last year as well. Hit a ton of home runs for the number of at-bats. He's slotted to hit sixth in their lineup. But this attraction of Maldonado is is not small, um, despite his uh, putrid offensive numbers. Also, they lost, you know, uh, a decent chunk of their bullpen. Phil Maton, Hector Neris, and Ryan Stanek, all right-handed relievers that uh, pitched in the seventh and the eighth, primarily for the Astros over the last couple of seasons, are all gone. Um, we, As we know with the Mariners, it would not surprise any of us to see those pitchers get replaced by uh, names that we may not recognize but come in and perform the same way. They still have Presley. Presley moves to the eighth with Hader in the ninth. Still have Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero. Uh, so there is still firepower in that bullpen. But losing those three those three pitchers um, can potentially hurt. But the really big question for me about this Astros team, we know they're going to hit, right? The current projected lineup, according to Fangraphs, is Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez hitting third, Abreu, Tucker. You know, Tucker's a top 10 MVP candidate, right? Yanner Diaz, Chaz McCormick, Jeremy Pena, Jake Myers. The bottom third is okay, not great, but there's a lot of firepower. The question for me is this rotation. The rotation has names, but a ton of questions. Justin Verlander has been on the decline for the last couple of years now, specifically with regards to um, K rate and swinging strike rate. Uh, His K rate over the last few seasons has gone from in 20, it was 33.3. He was out in 21, 22, it was 27.8. And last year, it went all the way down to 21.5. He also ran a 6.7% walk rate last season, which is the highest walk rate he's had since 2017. His swinging strike rate went all the way down to 9.9%. He hadn't had a single digit swinging strike rate since 2014. Verlander's 40. Um, He still put up a decent season, but he's not Justin Verlander, Hall of Fame Justin Verlander anymore. He's Justin Verlander, middle of the rotation starter, savvy, um, lot pitches with lots of guile, 162 in the third innings. He did have a 3.22 ERA. I think there was some, you know, he's it's smoke and mirrors to a certain extent at this point. And he's leading the rotation. They're anticipating or expecting a bounce back from Christian uh, Christian Javier, who was brilliant in uh, 22 and was not so brilliant last season. Framber Valdez is a horse, left-handed starter, big sinker baller. Um, he's probably their ace, if we want to be honest. I think Valdez is a, is a low ballot uh, AL Cy Young candidate. 
uh, their best starter for sure. Hunter Brown has very good stuff, is a uh, kind of a, you know, fantasy baseball and scout darling because his stuff is so nasty, but he had an ERA over five last season and he has some stuff to work on. And then Jose Arquiti is slotted to be the fifth starter. Um, Arquiti is not, you know, he's okay. He's a, a back of the rotation starter. They also have JP France, Brandon Bialock, uh in the bullpen right now who could potentially start. And then Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers Jr. are both on the injured list. So there's depth and there are names, but there's not, I would argue that there, this rotation lacks quality and has too many question marks for us to pencil in the Astros as a 90-win team um, without actually asking questions as to whether that's what we should be doing. So we'll see with the Astros. The Astros are the Astros. We all know they're going to put up runs. That offense is dynamite. Any offense with Breg- Bregman, with Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Tucker um, is going to score a ton of runs. The question is, do they get the starting pitching? Does the starting pitching stay healthy? And then um, can they get to that bullpen? But the Astros remain formidable. The Rangers are actually, according to Fangraphs, um, projected to go 82 and 80. I skipped over the Mariners. Mariners are 86 and 76, according to Fangraphs. We'll come back to them at the end. Uh, the Rangers additions, Tyler Malley, right-handed starting pitcher. He probably will not be available until later in the season. Kirby Yates off injured, uh, former closer, really great fork ball. Don't know what you're going to get from him. He's been injured a lot. David Robertson, uh, who I believe is 38 years old, has traveled quite a bit um, around the majors, started off with the Yankees, has a great cutter um, and a great curveball, is uh, potentially the Rangers' closer. Uh, they've improved that bullpen with the addition of Yates and Robertson, in my opinion. Um I know they've lost Araldis Chapman out of the bullpen, but Robertson and Yates are veterans. They're good. I like those additions for that team. And then the only offensive addition is Travis Jankowski. Uh, subtractions. I, this is where the Rangers, I think, are running into trouble. You take away, I don't, Martin Perez is, is a marginal starter, but Martin Perez gave them innings. He goes to the Pirates on a um, one-year deal. Jordan Montgomery, who they traded for, Uh, at the deadline, who gave them incredible innings on the way to a World Series championship. Jordan Montgomery is not signed yet, but if he's not a part of the Rangers, it's a huge loss, right? Montgomery is a low threes ERA, 180-inning pitcher. Uh, And then Mitch Garver, who signed with the Mariners. So not only do you lose Mitch Garver and his high OPS and his power, but he's going to your rival. Um, That is a big loss. And they didn't replace Garver with any sort of offense other than the offense that's coming up through the minors. So I think the subtractions are big, primarily Garver and Montgomery. I think the additions are not, you know, the, the additions to the bullpen are nice, but Malley's not going to be healthy until midseason. And then on top of that, you add the injuries. You've got, you don't know what you're getting out of DeGrom. You're hoping uh, Jacob DeGrom comes back at midseason or towards the end of the season. If you get DeGrom healthy, obviously you have rate-stat-wise, rate, rate wise, you have the best starting pitcher in baseball. Don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it's something you can count on. You've got Max Scherzer coming back probably around midseason. Big addition. The question is, does it take him time to ramp up? 
is he Max Scherzer of a couple of years ago, or is he more middle of the rotation, high strikeout Max Scherzer, who is not great anymore? I don't know. Texas doesn't know. If they can stay. So the big question, again, I get back to it, is can they stay in contention long enough to get DeGrom and Scherzer and Malley into that rotation? Because you get those three into the rotation, and now you've got Eovaldi, John Gray, Andrew Heaney. Now you've got a deeper, or much deeper, deeper starting pitching rotation. But as it stands now, it is really hard to say definitively that the Rangers will be in contention by the time those pitchers come back. And then you add an injury to Corey Seager, their best offensive player. You don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day. And you don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Corey Seager is always hurt. And it's one of the big criticisms of Corey Seager. He's great when he plays, but he's always hurt. And so if Seager's hurt and he's out for, you know, let's say even a month, now the offense is going to suffer. And the last thing with the Rangers is they're counting on three very young players to be a third of their lineup every day. Evan Carter, Outfield phenom played phenomenally in the playoffs, but there are some questions about his ability to hit left-handed pitching because he's a left-handed hitter and he's 20 and you're counting on him to be a starting outfielder. Um, Josh Young, their third baseman um, is injured and is going to be out for a little while. I don't love him as a player. Anyways, uh, he gets tore up by a good sliders. I think he's going to be your prototypical average lumbering third baseman that hits 20 plus home runs every year, but with a, you know, 240, 250 average offensive production, probably similar to Eugenio Suarez at some point. And then Wyatt Langford, their first round pick last season is probably going to start in the major leagues. Um, he is a dynamic player, potential 35 home run hitter, but you're counting on those three players to be a third of your offense. So if you take the injury to Seager, the youth with those three players, I just named and the number of big key injuries in their starting rotation, I have major questions about whether the Rangers are even going to be in contention by the all-star break and by the time DeGrom, Scherzer, and, Ma- and Maley come back. I won't spend too much time on the Angels and the A's. The Angels projected 78 and 84. Really, the only thing worth talking about is that Shohei Otani is now a Los Angeles Dodger. He's the best player in baseball. And you're taking the best player in baseball off of the Angels. You're taking their best hitter and their best pitcher off of the team. And you're putting them on a different team. And you added a bunch of players that I think are were added to satisfy the fans more than anything else. And to change the fate or change the, the bulk dynamic of the team. Robert Stevenson, dynamite reliever last season. How much is a reliever going to help a 78-win team? Zach Plesak, Cleveland Guardians cast off starting pitcher. Adam Simber, you know, journeyman, uh, submarine right-handed reliever. Uh, Luis Garcia, fireballer from the Padres bullpen. So they added some bullpen arms, but why does bullpen matter? Why are you spending resources on bullpen free agents when you're not going to be 500? It makes very little sense to me. Jose Cisnero, who used to pitch for the Tigers, Matt Moore. So they signed five relievers. When really you're better off tanking 
and bringing guys up from the minors and not spending that money on those relievers makes very little sense to me. And then Evan White, Mariners cast off and Aaron Hicks uh, from the Orioles. Not a lot of good names there. No offense to speak of. Stevenson is the real name that I think could have an impact as well as Luis Garcia. Subtractions. Otani, again, best player in baseball. Max Stassi, underrated hitting catcher. Gio Urshela hasn't signed yet. Randall Grichuk, lefty killer in the outfield. Aaron Loop. Um, it's just it's a bad team. And no Otani. Uh, AL West doormat, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they do have a couple of pitchers that I like. I definitely think that um, Griffin Canning is a bit underrated. Uh, Reed Detmers is okay. He's got some work to do. Um, Patrick Sandoval got hit really hard. I didn't expect that. Chase Silseth is actually a very good middle-of-the-rotation starter. I think we're going to see him perform well. So there is some pitching in this organization, but this team is hurting. Anthony Rendon is a huge anchor to this team, both um, emotionally and on the field. There are a couple young players to get excited about. Logan O'Hoppy, their starting catcher, is a big power-hitting right-handed catcher. Nolan Shanuel is a little weird or different at first base. Uh, on base machine, hits for very little power to speak of. Reminds me of, you know, for those old heads out there, Dave Magadan, uh, Hal Morris type, like the on-base little pop, left-handed hitting first baseman. Zach Neto. He's an exciting shortstop. I don't know if he's going to be any good, but this is a team that they're going to be lucky to be 500 and um, is going to be an AL West doormat for quite a while. And then you've got the A's 72 and 90 is the Fangrass projection. They're lucky to get to there. Um, they added Ross Stripling, Trevor Gott, Alex Wood, Scott Alexander. So they've added some pitching and then Miguel Andujar and Abraham Toro, very predictable quad A type of guys. But it's a poverty franchise. We don't know if, they're playing in the next couple of years in Sacramento. If they're playing in Salt Lake City, we don't know if they're moving to Vegas or not. Um, so two-fifths of or 40% of the AL West is garbage, which leaves the Rangers, the injured Rangers, um, who I think are going to really take a step back this season. The Houston Astros, who are always – going to be the Astros or for the next couple of years, at least. And our Seattle Mariners. Now, if I take the same lens, you know, looking at additions and subtractions and um, whether the team is upgraded or not, and I apply it to the Mariners, I really think the Mariners had a standout off season. It was funny to me because we started this off season with everybody when I say everybody, I'm not including myself, angry at uh, the ownership group, right? Assuming that the Mariners were going to spend less money, angry at ownership for not going all in, not understanding what ownership was thinking. And then you had Jerry DePoto come out and offend some folks with the 54% comment. Um, obviously, he he doesn't always say everything that people want him to, but not every brilliant person is a good public speaker and not every brilliant person is going to not be offensive. And I think that, you know, while DePoto offended some folks, you still have to look at his track record and look at the type of team that this Mariners team has been over the last couple of years and give him credit. And to the Mariners credit, they've had Justin Hollander come out and be a much bigger public presence. I think in part because DePoto stumbled a bit and that's smart on their part. Me personally, I don't care. 
I've never cared whether DePoto has said the right thing or not, because what I care about is the, the team that he puts on the field. That's why we follow Jerry DePoto is to root for the Mariners. And I also thought that, you know, the idea that you have to spend big to win a championship is false, quite frankly. And we've seen that play out in the way that the Mariners have navigated this offseason. So if we apply the same filter to the Mariners offseason as we just did with the other four American League West teams, the big additions to this Mariners squad are Luis Urias at third, potentially second base. Um, Luke Rayleigh, first base, corner outfield hitting, left-handed hitting player from Tampa that we traded uh, Jose Caballero for. Jorge Polanco from the Twins to play second base, which hitting second baseman. Mitch Hanniger, who we all know, corner outfielder, right-handed hitter. Gregory Santos, uh, late inning reliever for the Chicago White from the Chicago White Sox. Samad Taylor was a pickup from the uh, as a utility guy from the Royals. Jackson Kowar, uh, former high draft pick of the Kansas City Royals, a right-handed pitcher, probably a reliever. Carlos Vargas, flamethrower from the Diamondbacks. Subtractions: Justin Topa, Robbie Ray, Marco Gonzalez, Mike Ford. Tom Murphy, a Eugenio Suarez, Justin Kelnick, and uh, Teoscar Hernandez. So if you go position by position, you will start with DH, you know, Mike Ford, DH to lot. You're putting Mitch Garver in there. No platoon, you know, platoon split with Garver, but not to the point it was with Ford. Garver's going to play every day. That's an upgrade. Better hitter, more power, more skilled. Um Pencil in Garver if he's healthy for 500 at-bats, if he's healthy. First base, you've got Ty France still. I think Luke Rayleigh will play a little bit there. Luke Rayleigh, as long as you um, don't expose him too much, meaning, you know, if he plays, if he gets 550 at-bats, I think you see his stats come down quite a bit. But if you keep him right around 400 at-bats, you play him primarily against right-handed pitching, uh, last season, he had a 130 WRC plus with Tampa Bay, 19 homers, 14 steals. Rayleigh is going to help in the corner outfield. He's going to spell Ty France at times. Um, I think Rayleigh was a really nice addition. Second base, you don't even have to say anything, right? You went from Colton Wong and all the other trash that they trotted out there at second to Jorge Polanco, who is a you know, 115, 120 WRC plus power hitting second baseman. Don't expect a 260 average. I think closer to 240, 250 is realistic. But if he stays healthy, you're looking at 25 homers and clutch hitting and your number three hitter. Polanco, I've been calling for him for almost a year now. Everybody knows that. Third base is going to be interesting. You go from Eugenio Suarez and his low average power threat, elite defense, to a platoon of Luis Urias and Josh Rojas. Um, I like platoons when when you have the right players in place. Uh, I'm not a huge Rojas believer, but I think the overall output from a, both from a WRC plus and a Fangraphs war standpoint will be higher if you combine Urias and Rojas than it would have been with a Eugenio Suarez. Now you're taking up an extra roster spot, 
but you also have insurance for if, I guess, when Jorge Polanco gets hurt, right? And you can rest some folks and try to keep them healthy because you have more quality depth in having both of those players. So I see that as an upgrade. If you say, say it's Suarez and I don't know, Haggerty or Caballero, Suarez and Caballero is probably the fair one. And you replace Suarez and Caballero with Urias and Rojas. I like that. In the outfield, you know, it was always the potential of Jared Kelnick. Um, it was clear that he wasn't going to fulfill that potential. You replace Kelnick with Rayleigh, essentially. I like Rayleigh better. I think that coming into the season with less expectation of Luke Rayleigh than we did of Jared Kelnick will help us see the position more realistically. Um, the negativity of Jared Kelnick is not there anymore. I like that too. I do expect Dylan Moore to get most of the at-bats against left-handed pitching. Uh, so I think a Rayleigh Moore platoon is, is pretty likely. And then the other corner, you have Mitch Hanniger now and probably a left-handed hitting outfielder, whether it's Taylor Trammell, Cade Marlowe, or I hope it's Dominic Canzone. That would be my vote. Um, this is where I think Mariners fans are a little off. I think people are expecting Hanniger to play every day. And they're, he's slotted currently, according to Fangraphs, to hit eighth. I don't think Hanniger is playing every day. I think Hanniger will get 400 at-bats, maybe 350 even. He'll certainly hit against left-handed pitching. But I do expect, especially if one of whoever that left-handed hitting fourth outfielder is, if they get hot, if they're playing well, I expect that player to play almost every day against right-handed pitching. And again, Canzone is the one that I'm rooting for. Canzone is the one I think has the highest upside of those three. I would love to see a Canzone, Mitch Hanniger platoon in right field. Um, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle of expecting Hanniger to play every day and a platoon. I think Hanniger probably gets 400 at-bats realistically and the other hitter gets 200. Um, but offensively, you're going from Ford to Garver. You're going from second base Pupu Platter to Jorge Polanco. You're going from Suarez to Urias and Rojas. You're going from Kelnick to Rayleigh. And you're going from Teo to a platoon in right field. That That is the one place I think the Mariners offense has downgraded. But the other upgrades, specifically Garver, and Polanco are so huge that I think they really overcome whatever it was that tail was going to give the Mariners this season. I am ecstatic about the offensive upgrades. I think that they are wildly better offensively than they were last year. And contrary to what most people think, the Mariners were the 12th highest scoring offense in baseball last season. So if you believe that they've upgraded in the way that I believe they've upgraded. Now you're talking about a top 10 offense, maybe even like a top six, top five offense. If Ty France comes back, he's talked about gaining three and a half miles an hour um, of bat speed because of his training at uh, driveline and that his swing was all messed up. Mitch Garver and Polanco in the middle of this lineup, right? Julio coming out and saying he was disappointed going 
30-30 with 100 RBIs. That's dope, right? Your star is saying, I am not satisfied with 30-30 and 100 ribs. Like, I'm coming back. I'm a better player than that. This is, you got to be hyped for Julio. Julio becomes the best player in baseball. Nobody's going to be surprised. And Julio is our player, right? So this offense is going to be better. There are definitely injury questions. I think that to not address the injury questions is to bury your your head in the sand. Polanco has serious injury questions. He hasn't been healthy for a full season in a long time. Mitch Garver has never really had above, I think, 350 at-bats in a seat or play, play appearances in a season. We're expecting 500 from him. Now he's a DH and not a catcher, so there's that. But still, the big questions about his health. Mitch Hanniger hasn't been healthy in a couple of years. We're expecting contributions from him. So there, this offense is not without health questions. But I expect it to be very good this season. I expect it to be top 10. That's cool. And when you couple that with the rotation of Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Miller, and Wu, you're talking about a, a playoff team. And you're talking about a team that can win a World Series. The bullpen, they've shifted some arms. Obviously, Topa went away, Robbie Ray, Marco Gonzalez. But then you added the standard, you know, uh, bus load full of relief arms that DePoto always does. And of those names, you have Gregory Santos, who is a hugely valuable reliever, if healthy, from the White Sox. Santos will probably slot in in that seventh, eighth role along with Brash. Mariners are lucky to have Brash and Santos. It's wild that they have those two. You're going to love Santos. Touching triple digits, 90 mile an hour slider. Nasty, nasty stuff. And then, you know, all the other arms, the Carlos Vargas's and the Jackson Kowars and Joey Kribles and on and on. Colin Snyder, right? The Mariners picked up a ton of arms that have potential to be real bullpen pieces in this Mariners um, like pitching factory, right? And then the big additions that we're not hearing people talk about a lot that I think are a huge deal are Austin Voth and Le- and Levi Stout. Levi Stout was traded to the Reds, was cut by the Reds. Mariners picked him back up. Austin Voth was a national for a while, was an Oriole for a while. Both of them are not season long number five starters, but both of them can take the ball every fifth day for a month or so and not get overly exposed. And I think potentially keep the Mariners in games and which is incredible insurance in the case that somebody gets hurt or one of the pitchers gets hurt or you know, if the Mariners have innings questions about Brian Wu, right? Because he hasn't thrown a ton of innings in his career. And he, and he did have TJS a couple years ago. Uh, I, I think that having both both and Stout is a big deal. Mariners still have Emerson Hancock, which, you know, would probably be the first guy that they call upon. But there's depth there, and there has to be depth there. I think you have to have eight guys, nine guys who are capable of starting major league games, and the Mariners have that now. So if you apply the same filter, as I said, to each of these five teams, 
you have an Astros team that is probably right around a 90 win team, but there are questions about their starting pitching. Um, I think they subtracted more than they added. Uh, you know, Verlander is 40. Chris, Christian Javier needs to bounce back. Hunter Brown's development needs to accelerate. Uh, there are questions there. There are real questions, but the offense is tough. The bullpen is tough. The Rangers have huge injury questions in their rotation. They're counting on three very young players, very inexperienced players as a third of their offense. And Corey Seager's hurt. So can they stay in contention until they get the cavalry back, right? Until Scherzer, DeGrom, and Malley are a part of that rotation. And even then, are they going to be good? The Rangers have real questions. And they lost Mitch Garver. Real, real questions about that team. I don't expect them to be in contention. And then the Angels and the Athletics are are basically bumps on a log, ready to get smacked by the Astros and the Mariners. So this is a two-horse race, in my opinion. It's the Astros and the Mariners. And if you're talking about a team that made offensive upgrades in the names of Jorge Polanco, primarily Jorge Polanco, Mitch Garver, Luke Rayley, and has arguably the best pitching staff in baseball, and Julio Rodriguez, and can develop pitching, meaning a bullpen that's not going to be terrible. I'm putting my money on the Mariners to win the AL West. I am so psyched about what this team looks like. And to see, you know, the, the maturation of Julio Rodriguez and to be able to watch, you know, this is the golden age of pitching for this organization. I just, I'm, I'm overjoyed with the acquisitions the Mariners made. I can't believe they did it. Um, and uh, while sticking to a budget that is, you know, to be, to be nice is uh, <laughs> pretty rough. Um, this is a 91 team. Could they win 88? Sure. Could they win 95? Yes. Could they run away with the ALS? Yes. Could it be a hundred win team if you get an MVP season from Julio Rodriguez, decent health from Polanco and Garver, and the starting five remains healthy over the course of the year? Yes, this team could win a hundred games. And I don't want to be negative, but y'all were talking a lot of smack about this front office and about the ownership group at the end of last season. They really did perform miracles and it's not because I want them to, it's because they did. Polanco is a huge upgrade. I think people are going to be shocked with how much better he is than the guys that we ran out there last season. Mitch Garver is a powerful hitter and selective and he doesn't have a ton of swing and miss for hitting for so much power. He's fun. Gregory Santos is just breathing fire out of that bullpen. And again, Luke Rayleigh, I think I'm a little less high on Luke Rayleigh, but he's a, you know, mashes right-handed hitters or right-handed pitching and could be a huge addition. He could hit 20 home runs. This is going to be a freaking blast. I cannot wait for this Mariner season. We will come back. Uh, either later on this week or early next week, I'm going to start my position previews. We will dig 
deep into each position in the Mariners organization. So we'll talk about the players on the major, on the 40 man and the major league team at each position. And then we'll talk about the health um, of the organization at that position. So as an example, we'll talk about Cal Raleigh, obviously a catcher. We'll we'll cover catcher first. We'll talk about Raleigh. We'll dig deep into his numbers as we always do. We'll talk about trying to replace Tom Murphy, who is Sebi Zavala, who's slated to be the number two catcher. Why did the Mariners like him? Who's Blake Hunt? We acquired him from the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, is he the future as the backup catcher for the Mariners? We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk also about Harry Ford, who is, um, I would say, a top three prospect in the Mariners system. First round pick in 2021. Uh big prospect. And we'll talk about what Harry Ford means to the catching position for the Mariners moving forward. And if Harry Ford um, is, is indeed a part of the future at catcher for the Mariners with the presence of Cal Raleigh and um, how long the Mariners have team control of Cal Raleigh. So we'll dig into catcher. That's an example of what that position preview will look like. We'll do every position on the Mariners going to be a lot of fun. I'm just happy baseball's here. I, I can't – the Dodgers-Padres today, it's sunny out here in Walla Walla, almost 60 degrees. We're coming out of the winter. 2024, Seattle Mariners, there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to be positive about. I can't wait. I hope you're as excited as I am. Thank you for listening to today's Mariners cast. Once again, we are presented to you by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. This was fun. I can't wait. Peace.